Welcome to City on a Hill's podcast. This week's podcast can be downloaded on iTunes or our media library at chccny.com. Thankful hearts this morning for those individuals that laid their lives down. I don't know if you noticed. Can I, can I get it and say one more thing before I get into my sermon? Do you notice one of the pictures? Maybe you saw that. How many of you are familiar with the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier? I've talked about it, you know, years ago. I've mentioned it before in sermons, but it's so moving to me. It never gets old to talk about those sentinels that have guarded the tomb there, for the, the unknown soldiers that were lost in World War I, World War II, and the Korean War. Did you know in 2003 there was a hurricane, Hurricane Isabel, the last hurricane to bear down on the Washington, D.C. area? And those soldiers were told by our government to stand down, that it wasn't safe to stand out there and honor those individuals that lost their lives. You need to get away. You need to get away. You can't stand out here. You can get hurt. And you know what those soldiers said? Those soldiers said, this is our job. We're not going to move. We're going to stand at our post. And they don't care whether it's hot outside. It's 100 degrees outside. They stood out there in blizzards in 2009 and 2010. And what a message for us, spiritually speaking, as Christians, that we should have the same mindset and the same attitude as those individuals, those warriors that say, this is my job. This is who I am. It doesn't matter what inclement weather comes my way. It doesn't matter what storms come my way. But I'm going to keep moving and I'm going to keep fighting and I'm going to keep standing. And if I fall, I'm going to get back up and I'm going to keep on moving in this race because it's a marathon. You hear me in the back? It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. And we're thankful this morning. We're thankful. Well, you know what the title of my, this is the title of the series. I've never done this before. You ready for some more priority mail? If you weren't here last week, I'm going to get you up to speed in a bit. Are you ready for some more priority mail? I'm delivering it right to your doorstep today, right to your seat from the Word of God, what God has to say to us as a church. We've been in this for a while. I've shared this with a small leadership group. I shared it this week with a larger leadership group. I shared it last week with the whole body, and we're sharing this again, all right, because God's not done talking to us about the prophet Haggai and the word that he has for us. But the title of my message is Do Something with Last Week's, last week's Message. That's the title of my message today. Do something with last week's message. You know what God was saying to me? It's time to slow down and stop moving ahead. Pastor Linda, somebody that has probably been preaching for a long time, but she obviously, she gave birth to me, so she's been preaching longer than I have. She said to me, one of the things I wish I could, you know, have done if I had to do it all over again is I would have maybe slowed down on certain things and not have been in such a rush to move on. And I've done the same thing. In my own preaching career, I've done the same thing, that you preach a message and then we kind of just move on because I guess people have to hear something new. And God said, no, you're going to slow down and you're going to preach last week's message, the same core message. We're just going to package it a little differently, right? What's the sense of me just getting up here and giving us a new sermon if we have not digested if we have not applied the truths that we looked at from his word last week. What's the point of me just delivering? Is that the point? You come in the next week and I just, all right, let's go into the rest of Haggai. Let's look at maybe Haggai 2. What does it say here? No, let's put on the brakes. Let's stop. Let's reflect and let's meditate on what was said. You know, I got, a t I got a text message this week. He's not here today. I wish he was because I was going to pull him up. Uh, Chris Tapia is a student at Notre Dame University. He is studying, I is it chemical engineering? He's, he's, he's a bright kid, right? Chemical engineering, that just sounds so daunting, right? That, that, that term, that, that major. Well, it was interesting. I wished him a happy birthday, and he shot me back a text. And this is what you're looking for as a preacher or for me as I kind of move on from where maybe I started out. He said to me, you know what? It gave me perspective this week, and I was able to front load stuff. And he said, I was able to set my priorities and put first things first. And that's a 20-year-old young man that sent me that text message. Somebody that is at his school. I'm, I'm talking to young men and women right now. Here's a guy that gets in groups with atheists and agnostics and really smart kids. And he talks about his faith in Jesus Christ. 
Can I ask this? And I've never done this before. You might have, it's kind of a relaxed, informal atmosphere today. And, and my message is going to be very sociological. I'm going to get into some sociological, some psychological, some anthropological. Don't be moved by those words. You'll understand what I'm going to talk about in a little bit. But how about, is there anybody from last week? Can I put somebody on the spot? Is there anybody that applied something we talked about last week? Did you apply anything to your life? Now, preacher, when a preacher says this, I'm petrified right now because I'm afraid somebody's going to say something so crazy and off the rails that I'm going to have to, after you say it, I have to rebound and then get back into my sermon. So if you're the crazy person, we're all going to tell you you're crazy. I grew up in church. I saw some crazy stuff in my time. People standing up. Remember the guy that said he was Jesus? He stood up and the old building down there. And I was, man, I said, if, church, if this happened every week, this, as a kid, you're like, this, what just happened? That was amazing. This is crazy. You, wanna, you sure you want to go? I need a mic. I need a mic. You listening to daddy today? Yeah. Yeah. Here it is. It's green. Yeah. No time. Why don't you stand up so everyone can see? Oh. You kept speaking at, towards the end about procrastination. Mm -hmm. And um, I think many know my situation at home. And I've been procrastinating and procrastinating. People telling me I need outside help. And um, I had excuses, excuses. But when I left, I talked to my pastor and I said, I think the message towards the end kept saying, Alice. Alice. And I went home on Monday and I called for outside help and they called me on Tuesday and said they weren't going to come but our grandsons were graduating and so I said put it off but they're going to come and I'm going to get outside help from the veterans. Awesome. Amen. Amen. Anybody else? Just one more. Anybody you want to, you don't have to but is anybody else you want the mic? These opportunities are few and far between. No, you need the mic. You need. The, I didn't even say hi to you yet this morning, so I'm going to say hi to you in front of everybody. How you doing? Mm, I'm well, sweetheart. Can you stand up so they can see you, please? All I'm going to say is I stopped scrolling. Wow. Okay. Um, I start reading my. I start my prayers in the morning, and I read my Bible, and then I de dedicate about 20 minutes to a book about 20 pages to a book that I'm reading. Then after that, I start scrolling. Yeah. I stop scrolling. Amen. Really. Love you. Good job. How'd that go? I think it went very well. I think it went very well. Yeah, that went very well. I may do that again. But isn't it good to have a little body life to hear what people are saying? Hey, look. James talks about it. We're not just supposed to be hearers of the word. We're supposed to be doers of the word. That word in Greek, you know what it actually, it means to, we, hear means to audit. Do you ever audit a class before where you go in and you're not going to get a grade and you just kind of sit in there and you can listen, but you don't have to do the assignments? We are not to audit the word of God. We're not auditors as Christians. We are people that are supposed to take this word and utilize it and apply it to our lives. I can get an amen on that. Yeah, I was hoping I'd get one. So Lord, I just ask though right now, as we get back into your word, as we get back into Haggai, Lord, that uh, you would enliven this word. Lord, you would continue to speak to us as a people. Lord, I ask that you would move on us. May your presence be so heavy. Lord, we don't want things from you. We just want you. May that happen. May we prioritize our lives so that you can actually be first. Father, this is a brave and audacious prayer. But Lord, can we be like the people in Haggai's time? That the whole community that was there in building the temple, they got the message. The words didn't fall on deaf ears. Do a miracle in our midst, Lord, that we'd actually listen and apply your word to our lives. Change us and rearrange us, Lord, but don't leave us the same way that we came in here this morning. Amen. Amen. And let's just look at, can we look at the first 11 verses again? Because some people weren't here. So we're in the Old Testament book. I said last week, many of us probably don't even know there's a book in the Bible called Haggai. He's an Old Testament prophet, roughly 500 years before Jesus comes on the scene, 500 BC. He has a message. 
for the children of Israel. And let's look at it and then we'll unpack it starting in verse 1. In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Sheltiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Josedek, the high priest. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Yeah, Hags, give it to him. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much but harvested little. You eat but never have enough. You scroll, 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 scroll. You have 24-7 news networks but it's never ever enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Oh, here it is again. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty? Because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with your own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain, the new wine, the olive oil, and everything else the ground produces, on people and livestock, and in all the labor of your hands. So here's a people, to give you the background again, some of you are like, I don't know what's going on. Can you kind of tell me historically? Can you give me the context of what is going on at this time, 500 years before Christ is born? Well, and I'll give you a picture. Here's a map. It's kind of hard to see. There weren't really any good ones online that I could find. It's 500 years before Jesus is going to be born. The children of Israel have been in Babylonian captivity. That may be a term you heard before if you're in church circles. Don't worry about it if you haven't. They were taken, uprooted from their home, and they're in a place called Babylon for 70 years. 70 years. And then the Persians defeat the Babylonians, and when the Persians win and they take control, the children of Israel, some of them, a remnant, get to go back to Jerusalem and build God's temple, which was destroyed. This is Solomon's temple, we said last week, which is beautiful. It's ornate. This is where the children of God were. And in the wilderness, you had the tabernacle. But now, God, it was the preeminent place that housed the glory of God. The presence of God was here. And a remnant of people are now back home. And they're here. And they were there for a while. And they built the foundation historically. So they started out and they started out strong, but then they got tired, then they got lazy, then they started to, what Alice said this morning, they started to procrastinate. I could see, you know, maybe a couple of years and then you get the ball rolling, but they waited 16 years. Did you, yeah, what the heck? <laughs> exactly. Hey, how old is that kid? Oh, I thought he was listening to me. He's like playing on his... That would have been the, that would have been the best. <laughs> we scripted that. Dude, you killed it just now. So it's been 16 years. Then God says to the prophet Hags, you need to deliver a message to my people. You've been so concerned and you're building your homes. You're concerned about your paneled houses. You're concerned about your dreams and your goals and everything that's going on with your kids. You're concerned about your finances. You're concerned about getting a new this and a new that, what you're going to wear, the newest thing that's out, new pair of J's, new clothes, whatever. And God says, what about me and my house? You forgot me. You left me out of the equation 16 years and there's some beautiful subdivisions in the suburbs of Judah and God's going those homes look really nice but what about my house that you started but it is not finished will you my people continue to go but the people think like us there's still time right oh we'll get to that one day one day down the road I'll get to that 
Pastor Joe got up and he talked about giving. One day I'll give. I just can't give right now. One day I'll actually serve and go to one of those. What is that, a men's barbecue? Yeah, I'll go to the next one. I can't go to this one. One day I'll go to that. One day I'll join a hill house. One day I'll actually come to church on a regular basis. One day, one day, one day. And then one day you wake up and you're like, where'd all the time go? Where'd all the time go? So a story about Satan who was gathering together his emissaries, his minions, and, and he wanted to have them aid him in the ruination and destruction of men and women's souls. So he brought before him a couple of these minions. And this first creature comes before him. And Satan asked him a question. What will you do if I send you down to planet earth? How will you destroy people's lives? And the first guy says, I'll tell them there is no heaven. And quickly Satan says, no, that won't work because that, the Father, that, the Creator, He has set eternity in the hearts of men and they know, deep down they know, that's not going to work. The next one comes up even fouler than the first one, darker. And, and Satan says, what will you do if I send you down? And he says, I'll tell them there is no hell. And he says, that's not going to work either. How is that going to work? Because that you understand human beings have a conscience. They have an inner voice. And they know, ultimately, that good is going to triumph and that evil is going to be defeated. That won't work. Then finally, the third one comes up. And Satan says, if I send you, what are you going to say? What are you going to do? And with that, the final minion says, I will tell them there is no hurry. Just procrastinate. Do you realize what the deceiver, the father of lies, our enemy is doing? He is chloroforming the air. He is chloroforming the atmosphere to keep us distracted, to keep us asleep, to keep us procrastinating, to keep telling ourselves that there is more time. Don't worry. But the psalmist Moses tells us in Psalm 90 to number our days. Oh, Lord. Will you give us a heart of wisdom? May we be a people that number our days and realize what's at stake. How about a couple of verses that we didn't look at in chapter one last week? You know what the good news is and the good news is for us? The good news in this story is, I, I mentioned it, I alluded to it earlier, but it's important to reiterate, the people in Haggai's time actually listened you know how many times you look through and prophets come around, Jeremiah, you're going to go speak to people, they're not going to listen to you. Good luck. Have fun, buddy. Good luck with that. They're not going to listen to anything you say. Oh, I guess I got to go. Okay. But here, the prophet speaks and the children of Israel actually listen, the remnant that's there. Look what it says in 12 and 13. Then Zerubbabel, son of Sheltiel, Joshua, son of Josedek, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people obey the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai because the Lord their God had sent him. And the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. And the Lord would say that to us when we prioritize our lives. He says, I am with you, but I can't give you provision. I'm going to frustrate your purpose if you don't prioritize things. There's no place for the provision to land until our priorities are in order. And he says it twice in the book. He says this twice. Go to chapter 2. It's a small book. But in chapter 2, he says the same thing. He tells the, he tells the people, I am with you. He's with us today. And then you go to 14 and 15. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, governor of Judah. I mean, it's how many times, right? I mean, I get it by now. I get it you stirred up these guys. I want easier names. And the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of the remnant of the people. I love that. Look at this. 
I have to stop for a second. Every commentator I looked at, Steve, noted how important it is for us when we're reading this to see how united the people were, the people that are there. Not everyone's there. We said it was an arduous journey to go all the way from Babylon and to come back home here and start building this temple. But the people, when, when they got there, they actually got united when they heard this message. One body, one spirit, a people that were together. They understood God's heartbeat. They heard the message and they responded. Not one, not two, the whole place. May that be for our day. May that be for our day that we would be the kind of people that would have that kind of unity of purpose. So what's preventing us today from hearing this kind of message? What's preventing us today? Critically acclaimed author, New York Times writer, David Brooks. How many of you have ever read or heard of David Brooks? I'm a big fan, a lot of his stuff. And it's interesting, in one of his articles that was so profound, it was fascinating, he talked about how a researcher a few years ago did a study. And they asked 100 American college students, and they asked the same question to 100 Japanese college students. They asked them this question. They said, uh, they gave them a piece of paper, actually, and on one side they said, on the front side, we want you to write down decisions in your lives that you would like to make for your dis- yourselves. On the opposite side, decisions that you would like to pass on to others. So both groups, you're with me, the American group and the Japanese group, college students, were asked the same exact question. On the front side, decisions that you would like to make for your own lives. On the other side, the Japanese, you know, the decisions that you would like others to make. Do you think we had similar responses? Two different cultures. Do you think we had different responses? Why would I be talking about it then in a sermon if that was not the case? Right, Mike? Well, here it is. And when I'm talking about decisions they want to make, where to live, what job to take. Now, American students, what side do you think was full? I hear just, I'm like, I'm Charlie Brown right now, right? I hear the front side, right? Because we want to make our own decisions and we want to be in control of everything. And we're in control of our own destiny, right? Japanese culture, it was the opposite. They wanted to give up a lot. And things that he wrote in his article, what the, weird, like what they wore, what time they woke up. Okay. Um, what did they do at their job? The Americans desired choice in four times more domains than the Japanese. This is the quote. Where am I taking this? Michael, stay with me now. Here it is. Americans now have more choices over more things than any other culture in American history. We can choose between a broader array of foods, media sources, lifestyles, and identities. It is becoming incredibly important to learn to decide well. Does that resonate with anybody in the room? Because it resonated with me in terms of the explosion of choice that we have as a people over the last 30 years. Are you, are you feeling that? Are you seeing that around you? Is it overwhelming sometimes? You just want to pick out some paint? You want to just pick something out for your house and you're overwhelmed with all the choices? Or you just want to pick out clothes? I want to just pick out a toothbrush. I want to pick out something so basic and it's crazy. I want toothpaste, but there's 25 different kinds of toothpaste. Do you think that's, that's just the world? That's just accept that's the way it is. That doesn't really adversely impact us as a people. I beg to differ. It does because it distracts us from what's really important. And, and can I give you one other sociological thing here? Can I give this to you? Yeah. Mary, are you ready for this? Okay. There are two brothers, the Heath brothers. Now, they write mainly sociological works. They wrote a great book. It's called Decisive. In their book, they reference Susie Welch, the wife of Jack Welch, the great CEO of GE from, I don't know, 1980 to, I don't know, 20 years, whatever. Mr. Canis would know better than I do. Um, he, he refer- they reference the 10-10-10 rule. And you know what that is? I love this. You ready for this? This is so good. That when we are going to make decisions and we have choices, we should think, if, how will I feel if I make this decision 10 minutes from now? How will I feel if I make this decision 10 months from now? 
And how will I feel if I make this decision? Mike, ready? 10, I was talking to that Mike. 10, 10 years from now, how will I actually feel? You ever think about something like that? How will I feel if I make this decision? Because we have so many choices that are around and we're so distracted. The most distracted people he said to ever grace this planet. Oh, how true that is. No wonder why it's so hard to prioritize his presence. Does anybody have like an easy time prioritizing your relationship with the Lord in this day, in this hour, in the 21st century? Does anybody have an easy time? Raise your hand. Because I'll give you the mic. I think it's difficult for all of us. It's difficult for all of us to prioritize his presence above all else in our lives. Oh, it is certainly not easy. And the problem, when you look at Haggai's day, you look at what the prophet is saying. God is saying through the prophet, you need to put me first in your lives. I blew everything else away. What kind of harvest did you have? Yeah, maybe you had a couple of carrots and you had some, I don't know, oregano and you had a little bit of cilantro. Some of y'all are getting hungry now. And you had a little bit. That's how, the food I eat. Maybe I'm getting hungry. You can eat the McDonald's and all the junk food, but I want the real whole foods. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? But here they are and the people responded and God says, since you responded, I'm with you. Can we talk a little bit more about priorities? We talk a little bit more about priorities. I'm going to wake you up now. Stephen Covey, leadership guru, the late Stephen Covey, uh, leadership guru and expert. Look at what he said. This is, this is pretty deep. I thought it was good. The key is not to prioritize what's on your schedule, but to schedule your priorities. How come y'all, this, I, you, I should see phones. I should be blinded by the light. This isn't me talking. I mean, this is, this is, this is good. That's rich. We just think that we'll look at our calendar on our phone and go, let me just see how I can rearrange this. And this guy is so right. We need to take a blank calendar and say, we've done this. Pastor Linda and I have done this over the years. You know the rock illustration? You got to put the big rocks in first. Take an empty container. Our lives. What are the biggest things that have to go in first? Mahatma Gandhi said, Action expresses priority. Action, not words. Don't come up and tell me that you're going to make this a priority and then you don't live it out. Let us just see how you walk it out in your life. Can I give you my favorite quote now? This is Dallas Willard. He's a philosopher. I love the dude. He passed a couple of years ago. This encapsulates, this captures for me as the speaker, this captures where my heart is. You ready? You want to see where my heart is? As, as, as one of your pastors, you ready for this? Can you handle this? Michael, your paper was good, by the way. We'll talk about that. There's a reason why I just said that to you and the rest of you. Are like, what? For most of us, the great danger is not that we will renounce our faith. That's not the great danger. He's right. It is that we will become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we will settle for a mediocre version of it. We will just skim our lives instead of actually living them. We're skimming Christianity, so many of us. Because we're so busy with Facebook and Instagram. And Debbie said it before, we're scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. We live in the age of information. We have more information available to us than anyone has ever had before. But what has it done for us? This is the battle that the enemy is waging against the church. He's not coming at us at gunpoint. He's coming at us with distractions every which way to keep us from getting in the presence of God and wanting him. Church, hear me. This is the battle. The people in Haggai's day, the prophet is saying, he didn't say they were bad people. They were just busy. We're not bad people, we're busy people, and we want badges for our busyness. Give me a badge for my busyness. I'm talking to this guy. Give me a mirror, this guy. I sit there sometimes, yeah, I love it, I love being busy, getting stuff done. I'm up at 3, 3.30 in the morning, I'm going, I'm going, I love it. Busy, 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 busy. 
We're running around, but what fruit do we have? Just like the people here in Haggai's day. Where is the fruit, y'all? Where is the fruit? And can I talk about, can I talk about the phone a little bit? Where's my phone? Give me my phone, baby, please. Can I talk about this thing? This thing is making us prisoners. I've talked about this before. Can I get into this a little? I always tell you, listen, I'm going to make all my sermons theologically sound. If you don't believe so, then I don't, then whatever. I don't know what to tell you. They are. But we have to, I have to deliver sermons that hit you where you actually are living. I've said it before. I don't want them to smell like my commentaries. I want them to smell like real life, where we actually live. Did you know there's a place in South Korea? Get this. This is wild. I shared this with a leadership team back in February. Resonated with them. And I said, I'm going to use this in a sermon. In South Korea, this is wild. There is a makeshift jail. It is called the prison inside of me. People spend 24 hours or 48 hours there. The cost is $90 a day. It's been going on since 2013. The facility has hosted more than 2,000 inmates. Ready for this? Here's a picture. If you want to see it, you know what they give you? Now, again, culturally, this is a little different, but they give you a yoga mat. Sorry, all right? I'm not, I'm not advocating yoga here, okay? They give you a yoga mat. You know what the meals are? And I get excited by these meals. I want to go. I need to go to South Korea because I can live like this. I can eat this kind of food. You get for dinner, you get a sweet potato and banana smoothie. O-M-G. Who doesn't like, really? You salivating thinking about that? Oh, are you, all ma- are you making fun of me right now? For breakfast, you get rice porridge. I know it's not keto, but it's still pretty good, right? You are not allowed to talk to anyone else when you're there. You are not allowed to use your cell phone. You are not allowed to have a clock. You can't do anything. You have a little bathroom, and you are put in this place, and here is the line that one of the co-founders said. One of the co-founders, the guy is an attorney, he was working 80 to 100-hour weeks. How how many hours are there in a week? Did the dude even eat, sleep, like machine? He said, after a stay in the prison, people say, this is what the people say, this is not a prison. The real prison is where we return to. The real prison is where we return to. Now, what do you think? Louis, the wheels are going for me. You know why? Because I guarantee you, you could change this a little bit to make it culturally relevant for us. I think you could make a lot of money if you created a place like this here in, in America. That's what I'm, don't steal my idea. This is what I want to, I want to come, there should, honestly, don't you think people would pay to go to a place that you could be there and you're not allowed to have your phone? You get a notebook and you get a pen and you can write and you're alone with your thoughts with God and you get to talk to him and there's no outside noise and you don't have to be distracted by everything. I think we find some victory there. I think we find some peace there, but there's too much noise in the world. Too much noise. Can I give you one more? I told you a lot of sociological stuff today, a sociological study on how we use our time as Americans. Researchers learn the average American adult tends to watch TV four times longer than socializing and communicating, 20 times longer than engaging in spiritual and religious activities. We'd rather spend our lives clicking through somebody else's than live our own. We'd rather spend our time following somebody else on YouTube videos than actually living our own lives. And this doesn't even, what I just read you, doesn't even give account for the giant wasteland that is the internet. How much time we spend on that? Oh, we are the most distracted people. The immediate and the transitory has trumped anything that is meaningful, anything that is long-term. I saw this and I thought it was so interesting. Look at this. I finally realized that somebody said, people are prisoners of their phones. That's why they are called cell phones. That's why they're called cell phones. Come on. Come on. We're laughing, but it's true. We think we have the whole world in our hands. You got the whole world in your hands. Do you have the whole world or does the whole world have you? Do you have the whole world? 
Because I think some days I wake up and I get out of bed and I can preach about it, but this week and something, and I got on and I was doing some other stuff even before I got in the Word one day this week and God kind of hit me. What are you doing, dude? What about my Word? You're the same guy that talks about some of this stuff. Get in my Word. Get on your knees and pray. You're going to lead my sheep? Prison. Prison. Where's my phone? Where's, where's my phone? What I do? Did, did you see my phone? Honey, did you see my phone? Honey, where's, where's, where's my phone? Where's my phone? Do you have my phone? Where is it? You have my phone? Come on, don't tell me you've never done that before. I had to go to work, right, recently, and I'm running around. Where's my phone? I can't live. I'm naked without my phone. Where's my phone? He has chloroformed the atmosphere, y'all. He's chlor- he's, it's, and we've talked about, te- we talked about technology. I have to keep hammering away at it because it's where we live. And the enemy is using it. He's using it to try to destroy us, to take us away, to keep us distracted. And he's so insidious. He's so sneaky. He's so good at it. He wants us to just skim our lives. Just stay up here. Keep skimming. Keep skimming. Keep skimming. And we get so distracted. We had, I'll tell you this, we, we, I, I don't know, I'm just throwing stuff at you now. We were uh, at school this week. We had uh, SC, uh, hey, Louis, Suffolk, Suffolk County Police right there. We got a cop in the house right there, my man. Right? So, Louis, how about this? They came in and did the distracting driving with our kids. Right? And you know what they do? They give kids the, you ever, the goggles. They give them the distraction goggles. So there are the kids, and you see these kids, and they're trying to, they have these, I wish I had them right now to make somebody come up here and try it. And these kids have these goggles on, and teachers, we're, all, we're laughing, and these kids, they can't even walk. And I said, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, what a parallel to our spiritual lives, because we are being so distracted by everything, and we think we're actually walking straight, and we are so going, oh, the road to destruction is broad, it's big, it's wide, and we're going down this road, and God says the road is narrow, you got to take the narrow road, but we're so distracted, we're not bad people, we're not malicious, we don't mean it, it's just we get so distracted with a million different things, and it's hard for us. Are you receiving this word? I know it's not the easiest word the last two weeks to hear, but it's, it's the truth. It's the truth. You don't have to clap. I'm just asking, trying to see where you're at. I want to switch gears now. Oh, man, I'm excited about this. I don't, I, I don't know how this is going to go. I, don't, I tried this on Megan this week. How many of you know what this is? Wait, 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 wait. Let me pick some young people in the crowd. Let me go to my, let me go, let me go. Hey, I, look at his, oh, Caleb, your face is priceless. All right. Girls, do you know what this is? No idea. Have you, now, you people that are, look at this. Kids who have no idea what this is. They don't know what this is. What is it? It's not a videotape. What is it, Caleb? It's not a floppy disk. Javo, what is it? It's a what? It's a, it's, it's, it's a tape. Who wants to help him? Cassette tape. It's a cassette tape. Now, you know what's wild? You remember these things? I had Joanne give me one of these today. Remember using one of these things, man? Well, I was in, it was funny because I, I, uh, I was in my basement recently. I'm looking at some of the tapes and then I, I saw Pastor Linda's basement. Do you know your, one of your past, you know how many tapes you have? No, 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 you have tapes. You still have Cloud Townsend tapes. They still exist. They're around. How many tapes do you have, Vicky? You have a lot of tapes. But here, why am I bringing in tapes? Why am I talking about cassette? This is an artifact. This is a relic. And some of the young kids in here, you have no idea what this is. But here's why I'm bringing this out. It's kind of wild. I, I remember when I was in high school, and y'all can judge me if you want. That's okay. But I remember when I was in high school that uh, I would take like a cassette maybe from one of my friends and if you had a double cassette player, which I don't have, I have a single one there, but if you have a double cassette player, what would you do? You would copy it. Now, I just wanted to see how many of you were real Christians, how many of you were violating copyright infringement. I need to call the FBI. You okay with that? I did it. Don't judge me. Come on. Some of y'all did it too, all right? So, so I would take this, and I was laughing because what I have here, again, come on, you're going to laugh at me? Yeah, all right. 
I used to, I never, I'll never forget when I was driving to school, going to graduate high school in you know, the early 90s, right? And I had my snap cassette that I would put in. I got the power. Get off my back or I will attack and you don't want that. Damn it, damn it, right? I still got it. I still got it. Still know the lyrics. Still got the li- Isn't it amazing? Honestly, though, isn't it amazing? Every kid in here, I have kids at school and they can do all the Hamilton lyrics. Kids can do Eminem and they can do Kanye and they can do all these, Drake, they do all these rappers, Lil Wayne, I don't know, go on down the list. But when I ask them to quote something from the Bible, people don't know. We better get our kids in the word. We better get our kids understanding and learning real truth and memorizing stuff. Yeah, 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 memorizing some of that. Anyway, that wasn't, that wasn't what I planned. But I had this and I remember like you get certain tapes and you know, I loved Van Halen. I was just thinking back even this week. Panama. Uh, 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 uh. Pastor Linda turned me on to Van Halen. Other worship bands. <laughs> what? What? Pastor Linda turned me on to Def Leppard and you know, so many different, so many different amazing groups that were out there. And here's the wild thing though. Here's the wild thing. I'm getting to my point. Here's my point. I took a copy of somebody that had Snap right? Because I wanted that. I wanted to listen to it. So they dubbed me a copy. I got a copy from them. Then I took my copy and I made a copy for somebody else. They took the copy and they made it for somebody else. Now here's the interesting thing. This is analog. This is not digital. This is before iTunes, any of that stuff, right? So when you took a cassette and you copied it, did you ever, you remember, there'd be a hiss in the background and the quality of the cassette would not be as good? So there I am. There were times I remember I, I, had, I had cassettes that were copies of copies of copies of copies and I could barely make out the original sound. You know what I'm talking about? You remember that? Guess what? The same thing has happened in the church. When I look at the book of Acts, Lord, anoint these words. When I think about Pentecost and the power fell and the spirit moved and I see the church and they gave all their possessions away and they said, it doesn't matter. We don't own everything. We're going to live generously. We're going to live together. God, we want your heartbeat. Oh, it's all about Jesus. Let's put him first in our lives. As generation after generation after generation after generation after generation went on, something happened and we lost the distinct sound that God had given us in the upper room. We lost it. We can barely make out the sound of what the real thing is in the church today. I wish this kind of message wasn't, I'm telling you, I don't usually say this. This is the kind of message that should go to other people too. How come? What happened to us? And we sit there. And I know when you hear something like this and you hear me going, you know what? Put God first in your lives. Yeah, I know what that is, preacher man. I'm going to go out. Yeah, that was a good word. But what are we actually going to do about it? Not words. What are we really going to do? And you may look at me and go, dude, that's for you. You're just a radical Christian, dude. You love God. That's cool. I'm not going to judge you. Don't really judge me. And I would say, no. I would say, who are you judging your standard of living by? Because when I look at the first century church, when I look at people in Haggai's day, I see a people that were sold out. Do you know what we call crazy and overzealous maybe Christians today? And you may look at me. I got a lot of passion because I love the Lord. It was normal back then. What we call crazy and wild and over the top today was the norm 2,000 years ago. Oh, church, it's time to get back to our roots. You know what Ronald Reagan said? Look at Ronald Reagan said. I don't care what your political affiliation is. I just think it's a good quote. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. Freedom is never more, and we think about that on Memorial Day weekend, but why did I put this quote up? Because I would say our Christian values and our Christian ideals are never more than one generation away from extinction. 
who we are as the bride of Christ. We're never more than one generation away. And we're losing things. I can't make out the sound. What's the sound? Wait, wait, what is that? What are we supposed to sound? What are we supposed to do? And I think when we hear people, oh my gosh, that person had tithes. That person believes God and they take 10% of their money and they, they give it away. Let's name a building after them. Oh my gosh, they're amazing. They sacrificed, they gave some time. Oh my gosh, that is the most amazing Christian I have ever met. And that's just when we look at the Bible, that's just the norm. Why are we comparing ourselves, friends? I do it too. I do it. This guy. We compare ourselves to each other. Is that our standard or is the word of God our standard? What is the standard, church? What is the standard? We need repentance. There's nothing else we can do. We got to get on our knees and pray. How we live our lives and where we're going, we need to beseech Almighty God and say, God, this is not a time to play around. We want to repent of how we've fallen away, how we put so many other things first, how we've been so distracted, how we've lost the original sound as generation after generation goes by. Lord, we want the real thing. We want the real McCoy. I don't even know where I am. Where, what, what am I even? T- I don't know. That's, uh, music team, you can come on up. I think I said a lot already. I don't, need to, I don't need to go on forever. But let me give you this too. This is good. Because how about Billy Graham? You know what Billy Graham said? Anybody not respect Billy Graham? Anybody? You don't respect Billy Graham? That's what I thought. Look what Billy Graham said about us, right? He said, give me five minutes with a person's checkbook and calendar and I'll tell you where the heart is. Give me Five minutes. Five minutes. You want to know where your heart is? You think, and we say, man, Lord, we sing these words. We sing the lyrics. You're first in my life. Only you, Lord. Only you, Father. Only you. But are we really living that with our lives? Let's look at our checkbooks. Let's look at our calendars. Is he really first? So I'm asking us this morning. I'm I'm imploring us. I'm pleading. I'm begging us that we would actually be a people that get back to basics and say, Lord, we want you first. I know you have barbecues to go to. I know you have things to do. But I look at the story back of Haggai. I look at the story of Haggai, and guess what these people did? They were so excited that they, where they were going up, listen, they were going up into the mountains, and they were cutting down timber, paneling their own homes. Can you imagine the scene, the celebratory mood? People that they're extolling God and they're in unison now. Now they're going up the mountain and they're cutting down trees and they're saying, Lord, we want to build your temple. It's not about us. It's about you and your temple. It's about you. And so church, another challenging message from the pulpit. But can I ask us, what are you going to plan to do with what we just talked about these last few minutes? Can I challenge us? Can I ask you? I almost want to get the mic again and ask somebody. What are you going to do from this point? Because you know what I'm sick of? I'm sick of just ending things and we just kind of go on our way. No, let me challenge you. What are you going to do? What do you plan to do with Haggai's message and how relevant and how it's cutting it? It's exactly for the church today. What are you and what are we as a church planning on doing we don't have all the time in the world lord but i'm asking lord i'm asking for a people right now lord that we would want to seek you we would want to worship you all the days of our lives just like david said in psalm 27 lord that's what we want that's our heart's cry that's our heart's desire that we would live and dwell in the house of the lord forever father forgive us as a people father forgive us right now on behalf of all the people lord on behalf of your church how we've went wayward how we put so many things before you Father, you deserve first place in our lives. You can't even make out the sound of what you're you're hearing from the church. Lord, we give you lip service. Father, we tip you when we come into church. We tip you with our time. We tip you with our resources. Father, get hearts in this place, Lord. Get hearts in this place. May these words that your people heard today and saw on the screens, may they penetrate deep into the marrow of our bones, Lord. May they not just go by the wayside. Lord, I ask that they, this would land on good soil. 
That's what I'm believing. Father, I thank you that Jesus, when he walked on the face of the earth, he spoke in parables. He used all the images. He used lessons and metaphors from the world that was around him. And that's just what I'm doing. I'm just following in the master's footsteps. Father, I ask that your people, that this ground, this, this message would fall on good soil. Lord, I come against the enemy that would try to steal and kill and destroy. Father, he has chloroformed the atmosphere. He's trying to keep this from getting to people even right now. Lord, by your power, I ask you to break through. Holy Spirit, break through. Break through where there's bondage. Break through where there's shackles. Break through where there's everything else that's looking around and the chaos of the world and going to and fro and everywhere. Lord, we don't want to put you in the trunk of the car. Lord, you drive the car. Let's stand up right now. Let's stand up. Let's stand up. I know. I told you. I know it's a heavy word. I know it's a heavy word, but I'm not doing my job if I get up here every week and I just inspire you and tell you who you are as a son and daughter in Christ. This is the kind of message I'm prouder to preach than any other message because this is the kind of message that really matters. Not that those other messages don't matter. This matters. Guess what? I'm not done either. I'm just going to keep going. Not today. Don't worry. Not today. I don't care. I could have waited. I knew today would be more empty because it's Memorial Day weekend. I wasn't going to stop. This message has to go forth. Guess what? This message has to continue. I'd ask next week, you know what's going to happen? The enemy is going to keep you distracted and busy. And you're going to want to sit in your bed. You're going to want to sit on your couch. You're going to want to take the easy way out. You need to turn on William Wallace and Braveheart. And you need to watch something like that and get motivated. I'm kidding. But you need to get into your Bible. I get into my Bible and I look at stories of saints that have gone on before us. Men and women that said, I will not sit back. I will be countercultural. I'll go against what society is saying. I don't care what my phone says, what I see with people on Instagram, what I see on Facebook. I'm not comparing my life to those people. I'm comparing my life to what your word says. And if that's not, if you didn't feel anything today, you just pray to God. You pray. Say, Lord, I ask. Lord, I ask that you would make this come alive in my heart. If you don't have the passion, that's okay. He can give you that passion. He can give you that desire. Lord, give it to people right now. Right now, Lord, right now, by your spirit, I ask that you would move from row to row. Steve, start singing because I'm just going to pray while you sing. I'm praying and believing right now. I'm praying and believing that a fire would be ignited from this, that a fire would go forth, that this wouldn't stop. In Jesus' name, this message will not be stopped at the step right there, that it's going to go into your hearts, that it's going to bypass our minds, that we're going to want more of him. We're going to want more of his spirit. We're going to want more of his power in our lives. We're going to believe for miracles to take place in this house. This is going to be a house where people worship the Lord. What's that city on a hill community church? The top of the hill people go in Middle Island. Oh yeah, that's a place where people actually worship the Lord. That's a place where people say, you know what? We want you first in our lives. I don't care what I get from you. I just want you. Thanks for listening to City on a Hill's podcast. For more resources, visit us at chccny.com.